Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, and I am the lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And I'm so thankful that you are listening in on our podcast today, because we've been in a four-part series called I Deserve It. And today we're going to be looking in the Luke uh, chapter 19 today. And uh, all these weeks, uh, we've been looking at four different gospel stories about people who deserved one thing. But because of the grace of Jesus, he did not give them what they deserved. And so today we're going to be in week three, and we're going to look at a need that I believe all of us will experience at one point or another in our lives. And I also believe because of that, God has placed you in a situation right now that you are listening for a reason and a purpose. And I don't know what that might be, but I just know God is, is speaking to you right now, and uh, I'm praying that uh, you uh, can hear him. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but to me, one of the worst feelings in the world is to be rejected or to be left out or, or to be overlooked. Uh, and, and I know some of you are saying, you know, I hate when something like that happens. And you don't have to be grown up to be rejected. It, it often hits you very early in your childhood. You know, two guys are, are picking for a sports team and they pick everybody and you're the last one to be picked, you feel like uh, the biggest loser ever, or you walk into the cafeteria, right? And some of you, you may remember this. And it was kind of like my cafeteria in grade school, there was the popular table for all the popular kids, and there was the almost popular table for the almost popular kids, right? And then there was my table over in the corner. and, And you just felt horrible, you know, always going to that same place. Then there was that the being rejected by somebody else. You know, for example, uh, I know some of you maybe when you were kids, you would ask someone to go with you. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? And we did this thing where we would write a note and you would give it to a friend to give to a girl, and it would say, you know, will you go with me? Check yes or no. And I remember the first girl I asked to check yes, uh, uh, to to ask them to check yes or no. She actually checked yes, and and I was like, yeah, this is great, right? And then three days later, she wrote me a note that said, well, we're not going together anymore. And it was, and what's crazy is we we never went anywhere anyway, and maybe that's why uh, we weren't going together anymore. I don't know, but I was devastated because we weren't going together. You you feel uh, so much like a loser. And what's crazy is life goes on in the, in the world we live in today. We, we've got technology and, and social media that can statistically prove how rejected we are. You know, you can look at it, uh, look at how many followers or friends you have. And, and when your friends have like three times the amount you have, you feel like, Oh, I'm so pathetic, you know, or you can be having an otherwise really nice evening enjoying yourself until you look on Instagram and you see all of your friends are are going somewhere and you're not there and you think, what a loser am I? You know, why didn't anybody tell me? 
And I don't know if any of you are like this, but, but even in texting, if, we're, if you're close to someone, there's text response rules, right? They're not written anywhere, but they, they're deeply implied into our culture. For example, if I text you and it takes you three days to respond, you just sent me a very clear message. We're not going to be uh, in the 24-hour response friendship window. We're just not going to be that way, which, which tells me a lot, right? There are some people, though, if I don't get a response within an hour, and I'm like thought, I'm thinking in my head, what I thought we were, you know, the one-hour text responders to each other, right? And the worst, worst is the bubble thing. Oh, I hope you know what I'm talking about. If you're an iPhone user, uh, you know what I'm talking about. You text somebody, and, and they're like, "Oh, there's there there are bubbles. They're they're responding. I see the bubbles." And then you wait, and and nothing comes. And you're like, no, I saw the bubbles. I just saw them. And, and there's nothing worse than a bubble pool to a text message that, that they were going to text you. And they didn't do it. The bubbles were there. I saw them. And I'm like, I thought we were bubble commitment friends. You know, nothing worse than that. You grow up and you go into adulthood and then rejection can actually sting so much worse, right? You apply for the job and you're like, I, I so have this thing. I've got the gifts, I've got the talents, I'm totally going to nail this job interview. So you do the interview, and you're rejected. And you're like, oh, that hurts. Or your marriage was supposed to be really good, and you wake up one day, and it was not so good. You caught him looking at something he shouldn't look at, and you felt rejected. Or, or maybe she got eyes for somebody else, and the marriage went south. Or your own child doesn't want to spend time with you and doesn't take your calls, and you feel so horrible. There are few emotions worse than feeling rejection, or being left out, or being overlooked. So what we're going to do today is we're actually going to look at a guy in the Gospels that absolutely and completely, 100% deserve to be rejected. And we're going to see a, a beautiful story where Jesus actually did not give him what he deserved, but because of the grace of, uh, of grace of God, he gave him something else. All right, so let's do this. We're going to be looking into Luke 19, like I said, and we're going to read from verse 1 all the way through this story and let Luke bring the grace of Jesus alive to us. All right, so Luke 19, start with verse 1. Here's what it says. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Let's pause there for a second. He was chief tax collector and wealthy. Okay. What we need to understand is that Zacchaeus was absolutely and completely hated in his community. In fact, he was probably the most hated guy all around. And I'll explain it to you. Okay, there, there are a lot of reasons. First of all, in order to become a tax collector, you actually had to bribe another tax collector to become a tax collector. To be a tax collector, you had to be corrupt. And secondly, the way you would collect taxes is you would actually tax what is owed to the Roman government. And anything that you could collect above that amount was actually yours to keep. That's how you made your living. So imagine you go to the home of a widow, right? And let's say she legitimately owes $100. And you would knock on the door and you'd say, Well, ma'am, I'm here to collect your taxes today. You owe $150. And she's got no way to, to, to dispute this. Because there's, there's not like there's a mailbox that you can send a letter to, to them that actual, has the actual amount or anything. And so you say she owes this amount. And so she gives you $150, you give $100 to the Roman government, and you keep 50 for yourself. And that's exactly what the tax collectors did. 
So you can only imagine how much they hated them. And to make matters worse, Zacchaeus was actually a Jewish man collecting for the Roman government. And here he was, a criminal, cheating people out of money and and basically committing treason, blessing the Roman government, who's oppressing the Jewish people. And he's a Jewish man betraying his own people. And to top it all off, he was the boss. He was the chief tax collector, meaning not only did he get his own cut, but he got a cut of all the other tax collectors, making him very wealthy. And so he was totally despised. He wouldn't have even been allowed to worship with other worshipers. That's how much he was hated. So you can only imagine people look at him and go, oh, you know, this guy's got it. He's got so much money. He's got the house on the hill. He's got an infinity pool. He wears Prada. He has the big screen TV. He drives a Ferrari, whatever it might be. He's got it going on. He's got lots of money. He's rich. And anyone that's listening who who gets a lot of money will tell you this, okay? There's not enough money in the world to make up for the lack of human interaction, for intimacy, for friendships, and for relationships. And I can't tell you from this text, but I can tell you by human nature. I promise you Zacchaeus was hurting, feeling rejected, feeling left out, being hated, being despised. He was despised and rejected by people, and that gets really lonely. And people would look on and say, ah, you look like you got it going on. And they had no idea how much he was hurting, which is interesting to me because the same thing happens today. You know, people will look at you and they they see you one way and they think you've got it all going on, but they have no idea that you're hurting. In the same way, you may know people in your life that, that, and you think, oh man, they've got such an awesome marriage, you know, look at them. They're holding hands and they actually look like they like each other. So many people think that they do, but not, but not, no one really knows what they're, that they're putting on this show. Okay. And the reality, it might be that there's no real intimacy in their marriage. Now, it could be for you, everybody says, look at your social media presence. You look so happy and you got so many followers. And the reality is you don't even like yourself half the time. You're creating an image of yourself that's, that's not real. And you feel very disconnected and alone all the time. It could be some people look at you and they're like, ah, you're so spiritual. You know, the scripture just flows out of your mouth. You're amazing and you're, and you're so close to God. And the truth is, you're in the middle of a spiritual crisis, and you're trying to worship, but yet God feels distance from you, and you've got questions, and, and you're hurting, and, and maybe spiritually you feel very, very alone. And chances are, really, really good, Zacchaeus was wrestling with some things like this. He had all the bling, all the stuff, but yet he didn't have relationships. Because of this, he had a spiritual curiosity. And we can read about this in verse 3. So follow along with me, okay? He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Now, in fact, if you grew up in church and went to Sunday school, there was actually a song that some people would sing about Zacchaeus, okay? And the words kind of went like this. It went, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Now, I'll stop there because I'll be honest, I don't remember uh, the other words. And second, I don't want to sing it for sure because I cannot sing. You, I, I, I would just make, I mean, you would shut this podcast off really quick. <laughs> okay. But I have to tell you this. Okay. 
Don't ever call a man a wee little man, no matter what you do, okay? Because he cannot recover from that. That's just too much, okay? A wee little man. That's just that's just wrong. So anyway, I have some Zacchaeus short jokes. <laughs> so are you ready? Okay. Zacchaeus was so short that whenever he sneezed, he'd hit his head on the ground. Or another one, Zacchaeus was so short that when he jumped off a toilet, he broke his leg. Now, I didn't say these were great, okay? Anyway, uh, Zacchaeus was so short that he could sit on a dime and swing his legs. Or Zacchaeus was so short that he could, uh, sorry, that he could pose for the tops of trophies, if you know what I mean. And my last one already, Zacchaeus was so short that he only plays with a yo and not a yo-yo. Yeah, you get it. Anyway, but he was so short, okay? The most scholars argue, based on the language and the context, he actually wasn't just regular short, but he was probably a little person. And if he was, we're not sure, but you know how cruel kids could be, right? And in a context where they may not have been uh, an explanation or education about that, whatever the case was, he was massively rejected growing up, very likely for his height. And now he's a tax collector. He is despised. He's rejected. And the children are taught not to like or to trust or go near this guy. And he's hurting on the inside. And when you're hurting and rejected by people, you really got a couple of choices. You can run back to people hoping they'll approve of you. Please approve me. Please validate me. Please make me feel special. Or you can do what Zacchaeus did this time. And he decided to run to Jesus instead. Okay, watch what happens. Look at verse verse four. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, if you notice, Zacchaeus, a Jewish man, ran and he climbed. Now, there's a couple of things you need to know. No self-respecting Jewish man would do these two things. They would never run and they would never climb. You see, because climbing in a tree basically was something only a slave would do. And running, no Jewish man would ever run because they had their flowing robes and they might expose their legs, which was undignified. They would just never do it. In fact, when Jesus told the story of Luke 15 about the prodigal son who rejected the, the father and went off and squandered the father's wealth, if you remember that story, when the, when the son came back, who did the father represent? The father represented our heavenly father, God. And when the son came back, uh, what did the father do? The father actually ran to the son. And when Jesus told that story, the Jewish listeners were going, oh, so you're saying God ran. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying. But even though it was undignified, that's how much God loved his lost one, that he would actually do something that was socially unacceptable to pursue his son. And that's exactly what Zacchaeus does. He runs even though it's undignified, and he climbs even though that's something that no self-respecting person would do. Why? Because he had to see himself who Jesus was. And surely he had heard about Matthew. Matthew was another tax collector who also wasn't even allowed to go into worship, that everybody else rejected. But, but Jesus not only accepted Matthew, but Jesus asked Matthew to become one of his followers. And Zacchaeus had heard about this and wanted to see for himself. And so he runs and he climbs. 
And there's another great story about a woman that had an issue with her blood for 12 years. And when Jesus was passing by, this woman reached out just to try to grab the hem of his garment. You know, she was willing to reach and stretch beyond anyone else to perhaps just touch Jesus. There's another story about four guys who wanted to get their friends to Jesus, but the crowd was too big and so they couldn't get in the door. And these four guys dug through a roof to lower their friend to Jesus. So I'm, I'm telling you that sometimes you just need to reach for Jesus. Sometimes you just need to dig through a little something to get to Jesus. Sometimes you just need to run towards him. And sometimes you need to climb. And I don't know who's listening this, to this right now, but there may be somebody who's listening where there's some obstacle, right? There's some doubt, some insecurities, some fear, and, and you've got to just climb on over that fear. You've got to run through that doubt. You've got to dig through those insecurities, and you just got to pursue Jesus. Just run after him. And here's the good news. And this is a promise from God's word that when you seek him, you will find him. When you pursue him, he will reveal himself to you. There's somebody listening today. I, I believe it. It's just your time to say, you know, I need to know for myself. You reach, you climb, you dig, you run, you say, I'm going to pursue him. And he will, just like he did for Zacchaeus. He will reveal himself to you. In fact, that's what we see in verse 5. Let's read verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, the first thing I hope you see here is that Jesus called him by name. The good shepherd, Jesus, knows his sheep, and he calls them by name. In fact, Zacchaeus, he probably hadn't heard his name called very often at all. They probably called him some things that, that I just can't say on, on this podcast, but not Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the name actually means righteous one. That's what his name means. And, and I can guarantee you those, those widows weren't saying, oh, hey, righteous one, you're welcome to take my money. No, Jesus calls him what he's not. Jesus called him righteous one. By faith, that's what you're going to become. Come down, I'm coming to your, to your house today. Now put yourself there, okay? You're in this crowd. You've been hearing about Jesus. He's raising the dead. He's healing people like crazy. He's got this massive wisdom. And we're thinking maybe he could be the Savior, okay? And so he goes to the most hated guy in town. And he says, hey, can I stay over at your place tonight? Maybe we have some dinner, play some chess, okay? Here's what you're thinking. No, 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 no. Maybe you haven't heard this, Jesus. Let me help you out. He's pathetic and I'm righteous. I go to church every week. I serve at church. I serve in the nursery room at church. That's how righteous I am. Okay, I'm a tither. I, I not only just tithe, but I give offerings as well. I'm on the prayer team at my church. I'm a greeter. I am righteous. This guy is not even allowed in the church. Now, Jesus he is just calm and cool in this situation. He doesn't even bring it to context. You, you see, if I was Jesus, I'm going to say something like, hey, just chill out, okay? I understand. I, got, I know what's going on here. You, I know you got it going on, and, and you're cool and stuff. But this guy, okay, he needs grace. And so I'm on this mission, okay? I'm trying to save him. You know, pray for him. Pray for me. Pray for us, okay? 
But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus just ignores the crowd and goes straight for the wildest guy out there. Why? Because that's exactly who he came for. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinners. And he didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He went for the most unhealthy, unrighteous sinner in the whole community. And he said, come on down. I'm staying at your house today. Look at what he says, continuing on to say in verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly, right? And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Okay, let's stop there. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's going to be at the house, the guest of a sinner. Mutter, 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 right? They're exactly right. This is shocking. This is scandalous. This is beyond our ability to comprehend, okay? Because Zacchaeus absolutely and completely deserved rejection. He deserved it, okay? Let's put it in the context of today. He was kind of like the mafia, okay? He is abusing people. He is hated. He's on the most wanted list. He's committing treason. He's the worst of the worst. Jesus did not give him what he deserves. Just like when we turn to Jesus, he doesn't give us what we deserve. D.L. Moody is a famous evangelist from, from centuries before, and he said this about Zacchaeus, okay, and I love this. He said that Jesus saved Zacchaeus in the distance from the limb to the ground, okay? Jesus saved Zacchaeus in the distance from the limb to the ground. From the time it took Zacchaeus to get from the limb to the ground, Jesus changed his life. How long would that take? You know, think about that. How long would that take? Three seconds? One if you fell? bam, you know, or seven if you're short and you can barely reach the limb. You know, I don't know. Let's just go the long time, okay? Let's just say it's seven seconds. In the distance from the limb to the ground, Jesus completely transformed Zacchaeus. And I'm here to tell somebody listening to this podcast today, in a matter of seconds, you can be totally and completely transformed by the grace of Jesus in a matter of seconds. And I don't care how bad you are, how far your friends think you are from God. In a matter of seconds, you can be forgiven, transformed, spiritually healed, and made new in the presence of Jesus from the distance from the limb to the ground. You can be transformed by the power and the grace and the approval of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a matter of seconds and moments, you can be transformed by the grace of Jesus. We see immediate evidence of a transformed life. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come on down parties at your house today. And before the party even starts, Zacchaeus is like, oh, it's going to be bigger than you can imagine because I've got an announcement to make to everybody. Listen to his announcement in in verse eight. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Okay. Now listen, right there, from the distance from the limb to the ground, he is so transformed that he's now talking crazy talk. He's generous. He's making wrong things right. Why did he do this? Okay, I don't want you to miss it. He did not do this to get the approval of Jesus. He did this because he got the approval of Jesus. We don't do good things to win his approval. We do things because he has approved of us. When you recognize that, that you don't deserve it, and yet he gives you extravagant love, the only reasonable response for extravagant love is extravagant sacrifice. I give you back my life. I I give you everything. What he does is so much more than the law requires. 
What the law says is, hey, if you're a benevolent Jewish person, you set aside 20% of your income for the poor. He doesn't say, I'm going to do 20%. He said, half. I'm going to do half. Then the law said, if you stole from somebody, you give back what you stole plus 20% in interest. And he said, I'm not going to give back 120%. I'm going to give back 400%. Now, why did he do this? Because he was not motivated by the law. At this point, he was motivated by love. This is an extravagant response to God's extravagant love. That's what happens when you're truly transformed by Jesus. Okay, Here's the reality. In the distance from the limb to the ground, in the distance from a prayer for help to the answer, which takes a matter of a second, when you're transformed by Jesus, suddenly you start doing weird stuff. Okay? You start forgiving people who don't deserve forgiveness. You start loving people that others don't seem to love. You start caring for the outcast. And suddenly you start using your resources to help people who are in need, and sometimes those you don't even know. You suddenly start serving, and all of a sudden, your life is not your life. It belongs to God. You do things that don't make sense. Why? Because extravagant love demands an extravagant response. Zacchaeus did not do this to gain the approval of Jesus. He did it because Jesus approved of him, and this was his response. See, you can work your tail off to get people to like you all day, but you cannot please everyone. And I cannot please everyone, but I can please God. Through Jesus Christ, we can please God. When you recognize that God approves of you, even though you don't deserve it, Suddenly you're not living for the approval of people, but you're living for the approval of God. And that's when everything changes. Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and says this, and look in verse 9 and 10. Here's what he says. Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and save the lost. Don't ever miss this. Jesus did not come for the found. He came for the lost. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. And when we recognize that, our only reasonable response is to give him our whole lives because he accepted us even when we did not deserve it. Amen. That concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope you'll come back next week as we finish up our series of I Deserve It. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcasts or would like to support this ministry, please visit our website at www.chandleracreschurch.com.